0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale.
1: Our guest today has one of the biggest names in sports. You can't turn on a television without hearing his name. You hear it frequently on all the talking head shows and the highlight shows. And it seems like two out of every three commercials feature Pat Mahomes. Well, that Pat Mahomes is not our guest today. We welcome the original Pat Mahomes, a 12-year major league pitcher with six different teams. His best season was 1999 when he went 8-0 in 39 relief appearances, helping the New York Mets reach the postseason. He had four appearances in the playoffs, earning a 2.25 ERA. Like a lot of us, he's now better known for his offspring. His son, Patrick, is the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, where he won an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl championship, all before turning 25. Pat also has the most famous granddaughter in Kansas City, outside of my three, of course. So, Pat, welcome to Sports Connections.
0: Hey, thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, you know, to uh, get to conversate and say and uh, talk with you.
1: All righty. Now, I want to start with your career, uh, obviously, and we hear all the time about professional athletes who say the sport in which they're making a living was not necessarily their best sport growing
0: up. Was
1: baseball always
0: your best sport? Uh, some people say that, but, uh, most people think that basketball was, uh, really my calling. Um, I, you know, I played basketball, uh, all my life. Uh, I was actually a uh, runner up for Mr. Basketball in the state of Texas. Um, my senior year, uh, you know, averaged, uh, 30, 33 points a game. Wow. Um, I actually signed a scholarship to go to Arkansas to play for uh, Nolan Richardson mm-hmm. and the Razorbacks. And, um, Ended up getting drafted, and uh, you know, chose to go that route instead.
1: Well, that leads to the obvious question: Why did you choose baseball if 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 basketball was your best? Was baseball your first love?
0: Well, my dad introduced me to the game when I was you know four years old. I've been playing baseball ever since then. Um, I was uh, more of a you know a position player, you know, a hitter and you know shortstop, and play a little outfield and stuff like that. Uh, my mom wanted me to play basketball. My dad wanted me to play baseball and in the end, dad won out. <laughs> well,
1: it's, it's interesting. I talked to so many athletes in my 40 plus years of, of interviewing people. And it's amazing how many athletes that make their living in one sport could have done the same, uh, in another sport. And it sounds like you're in that list and certainly, uh, somebody we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, is in that, uh, in that same category, uh, so were you always the best player on your team or did you, were you a late bloomer in terms of baseball?
0: Oh, for the most part, I you know, I was, I was pretty much the best player on the team, but um, we had a lot of other guys, a lot of my really, really good close friends that could really play too. So, you know, we had a, a, a good mix. We had a good mix and I was always smaller than everybody else. Now, I, yeah. you know, I was actually probably around about five, six and a hundred and 40 pounds when I went to high school. So my, By the end, when I graduated, I was 6'1", 175. But the funny thing is, my first year of pro ball, I played. um, I played the whole year. I was 17 years of age. I left in June that year to go to Elizabethan, Tennessee, to play uh, rookie ball. And by the time I got back in September, I was 6'4", 205 pounds. So I kind of, you know, my body matured. Uh, a little later but um I was you know pretty much the best player on the team it just I was just a little smaller than everybody else
1: and I didn't I did not realize you were that big because I was going to ask you where where your son got his his size from so obviously it came it came in the genes now playing MLB for 12 years is quite an accomplishment how did you stick around for so long
0: Well, I was a sponge, you know. Um, I didn't know a lot about pitching. I only started pitching really my junior year in high school. And um, it was a fluke that I got drafted as a pitcher because uh, one of the guys that was a senior, he he got hurt that game, and they brought me in, and the scouts were there watching me, you know, play outfield, play shortstop and hit and all that stuff. And I went on the mountain and um, I guess I was going – in the low 90s and so uh that sparked some interest with some of the other teams and and that's how you know it all began
1: now what round were you drafted in
0: i was actually drafted in sixth round by the twins um and uh 88 and um that's you know how everything you know, started off, I went to uh, rookie ball, like I said, but, uh, I, you know, I picked it up quick. But even like I said, I was a sponge. You know, I listened to what everybody was saying. I listened how to pitch because my dad actually didn't let me throw curveballs or anything in high school. So I threw fastballs and knuckleballs. And uh, one of the first things they told me when I got to rookie ball was, uh, we're not throwing knuckleballs anymore. So I had to uh, develop some other pitches. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um- did you have a favorite event or maybe a full season during your 12 years in the, in the bigs? Was there one thing that stuck out?
0: Um, probably, um, the 1999, um, championship series with the, with the Braves, you know, we had the, the rocket situation going on and, and the Braves were a heated rival and, uh, I actually, you know, pitched pretty good for the whole series and, you know, the excitement and and all the stuff that went with that was uh, was was me. I mean, that's what I live for. I live to be in in the moment, in the big moment on the field and everybody's, you know, going crazy and the fans are going crazy. And to go out there and compete at the highest level against the highest competition and be successful was uh, probably the best moment for me.
1: OK. And, and was that also your best accomplishment that 1999 season?
0: Uh well I was 8-0 that year. I mean, I didn't I didn't lose a game all year. I actually hit 313 uh batting so wow. Uh a couple of game winning RBIs, you know, with the bat in um so I mean, I put that up there. I mean, I think that's when I really uh figured out who Patrick Mahomes the pitcher was and um and it and it was always been a blessing for me.
1: Yeah. Now I want to, we'll talk a little bit about your son, Patrick in a second, but there's, there's one thing that I I want to mention. Those of us who've had the privilege of covering him are amazed with his ability to handle pressure. Nothing seems to phase that young man. And he's, he's the, he seems, he seemed like the crafty veteran his first year. And I think about the the comeback against the Texans in 19 uh, teams down 24, nothing. And he's, Rallying the troops, and he nothing seems to faze him. Did he inherit that trait from
0: you? Uh, I would like to to think that um, he kind of inherited that from a little bit of everybody because uh, I, I, you know, I took him to the clubhouses as soon as he was able to go. You know, yeah. and I put atmosphere, I put him in that that culture, I put him in that that ram to try to show him, you know. I always thought he was going to be a professional athlete. So I, I wanted him to know how professional athletes roll, how they, what they do, how hard they work and stuff like that. So, uh, him being around it and seeing it and, uh, seeing me in uh, the big games and the biggest moments and all that. And like me, he's always been a sponge too. So I knew that, you know, he would pick it up real quick and, um, He's been able to translate it into his game, and, and I think that's a big thing for him.
1: Yeah, and I, that leads to my next question. I was going to ask you, was it you know, was it a genetic thing, or was it environment? I think that the thing is the other uh, word for it is uh, is it culture, is it environment, or is it uh, genetic? So it was probably a combination of both, and that was very purposeful on your part to expose him, knowing he had the genes knowing he had the, probably the built-in athletic ability that was purposeful to give him that culture. And do you think that helps prepare a young man
0: for playing uh, professional sports? Exactly. Being, being in, the, in the fire, you know, being around it, seeing that, you know, the best at the game were, you know, out working hard every day, you know, trying to perfect their craft, uh, seeing that, you know, hey, this guy just hit two home runs last night, but he's he's at the field, you know, two hours earlier, you know, in the cages getting reps in. That yeah. lets you – you got to continue uh, to work and strive, you know, for greatness. And I, he saw that, you know, at an early age, and he was able to duplicate it uh, once he got – you know, into high school and, and other stuff and knowing how hard, you know, you have to work. It's, it's one thing getting there. It's another thing staying there and and knowing what it takes to stay there and how to be a professional. Uh, I think that kind of, you know, stay with him and, and he's taking it with him. Yeah, and it's,
1: I think there's more sons of professional athletes playing professional sports now than there was a generation ago. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is probably more long, along the lines of your age than, than Patrick's age. But, you know, he grew up and, and Brian McRae uh, with, you know, his dad, Hal McRae, they grew up in that environment. And I think you see it even more now where every time you turn on a game, it's so-and-so. son. I was watching um, uh, TCU basketball last night and Charles O'Bannon's son. Uh, is playing for TCU and and Ed O'Bannon Charles' brother, he, his son played uh, college basketball. So I think you see that, and I don't think people recognize how important that is to understand the culture and to know how to act, not just have the physical ability, but to know how to act, and that playing a huge role in success.
0: Yeah, Brian McRae and, and and the kid, uh, uh, the kid, I call him the kid, Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. Um, I I got to play against them. I got to play with Brian. Um, They are both great, great athletes. We talk, you know, several times about, you know, being the son of a, of a professional athlete and, and what that really entails. And you still have to, you know, they have a lot of pressure on them growing up, you know, yeah. because oh, yeah. is are you going to be as good as your dad? Are you going to be this and that? And, I think we all tried to instill in each of our, each of our kids that, Hey, be better than dad. you know, be better than what it was. Dad is as went through it and he knows what it takes to get there. And he's going to also going to, you know, give you knowledge that so that you don't make some of the same mistakes that he made. So like I said, if you have a, a child that is, is willing to learn that is willing to, you know, listen and, um, and, and you know, try to absorb that knowledge and take it to the next level, then I think that makes them that much better.
1: I had a question for you about, you know, as a former pitcher, did you, you know, I know that Patrick could have been a pitcher, could have been drafted as a pitcher in, uh, in Major League Baseball. D- did you wish that he had followed in your footsteps? But I'm guessing after hearing you talk that you were an all-around athlete, you know, you could have played basketball, college basketball. You could have played maybe in the outfield as a, as a baseball player. So I'm guessing it probably didn't offend you. It didn't hurt your feelings that he didn't follow in your footsteps because in a sense he did. He's a professional athlete. He's a successful professional athlete. He learned so much of the importance of the psychological side of it and also
0: inherited the genetic side as well. Well, I don't know if Patrick could have been a pitcher. You know, he threw 96 in high school, but he wasn't per se a pitcher. If he would have got drafted, which he did get drafted, but he would have been drafted in the the early rounds as an outfielder. Um, I I actually had the coach moving from shortstop to the outfield because I told him that he wasn't going to be a shortstop in the big leagues. He's going to be an outfielder. But I've, I've known since Patrick was five years old that he was going to have the opportunity to play professional you know, baseball, uh, the football stuff came on late. His junior year he, was his first year that he got to be the starting quarterback for the varsity yeah. ball team there. And he just fell in love with it. And um, actually, on draft day, we were sitting at the house. And when they called and they told him and said, hey, you know, this is the Arizona Diamondbacks. We got X amount of dollars. Um will you sign? And he said, no, sir. And thank you. And he hung the phone up. He went and got in his truck and he started heading to it. And I, uh, I waited a few minutes because I was kind of in shock because I just kind of figured to be a baseball player. And I called him and I said, son, and he said, uh, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, daddy said, I just want to try this football thing out. And I said, okay well, come on back to the house. I'll drive you up there. And We'll do it the right way. So if we're all in in football, then we're all in in football. So, yes, uh, deep down in my heart, I did want him to be a baseball player. But um, I just knew that he was an athlete, and as an athlete, you got to, you know, you got to make your own decisions. I had my time. I had my twelve years. I had my twenty-some years of playing professional baseball. But um, for him to you know realize his goal and to to go try something different the courage that it takes to do that and then to be able to get to the highest level is just something that I've been truly amazed by yeah and
1: it's interesting I want to get to that part of it in just a second what was it though about you know through 96 in high school how did why did you think he wouldn't be a a, a pitcher in the major leagues was he that good in the outfield or did it was there something you said he didn't have the control. What was it about – what was it that caused you to think that?
0: Well, he was like me. You know, we pitched because the coach said, you know, you're throwing hard, you get on the mound. <laughs> and we did is we went out there and we threw the ball as hard as we could, you know, and sometimes it went to the right spot, sometimes it didn't. But, you know, it would have been something like I had to do. I, I had to learn how to pitch, whereas Patrick knew – all the aspects of the game, he knew everything about playing a position, playing the shortstop position, playing um, uh, outfield. You know, he and he could hit. You know, so he was he'd have been an all around player. But you know, as far as pitching, I that'd have been a deal where he would have he'd have been bored like I was bored, and um, everything looks good.
1: <laughs> now, you talked about the the drive. I don't know that you called, called it that necessarily, but you said you knew. You knew that he had something that would enable him to accomplish his goals. And, the you know, I've heard many stories about the fact that he was a late bloomer in football, but that's where his passion was. When did you first recognize that he had that drive, that it, to be able to be good at whatever it was that he chose to pursue?
0: I'm really telling you, five years old. I mean, if you just saw this kid at five years old, you'd have been like, how does he know this much? How does he know everything in the game? I mean, we would be watching a baseball game on TV, uh, him game, and there would be uh, situations that were coming up and he would go, you know, dad, they're going to bunt right here, you know, because, you know, there's a guy on first base and, and they need to get the scoring run and, and they need to get the, the runner in the scoring position and stuff like that. And just stuff like that let me know that, He was really, really watching what was going on. And I just knew that he had the talent and and from an early age, you could see he had the arm. So it was just a matter of of putting those two things together and it was going to be beautiful.
1: Were you like that? Did you understand the nuances of the game at an early age?
0: Not like him. I mean, I'll be honest. I was always, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the kids, but I just went out and played the game. You know, I went out and played the game. He knew the game. You know, he knew I, I could have let him manage the team. He could have coached the team, you know, at Little League. He could have coached the team when he was playing, you know, high school. And he knew everything about the game. He studied it. And and a lot of it has to do with, you know, video games, playing video games and stuff yeah. like that. And I found out, you know, recently after Mr. Madden had died, you know, a, a few weeks ago, that that's when he fell in love with football, playing that Madden football game and, and the way John Madden taught on the game, you know, teaching you how to read defense and stuff like that. And that's what really intrigued him, and that's what swayed him to uh, to go to football.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's I had not heard the Madden side of it. That's pretty interesting. You know, I have not covered the Chiefs a lot. I cover a lot of different sporting events and occasionally get to cover the Chiefs. But people who know me, people in church or whatever – will ask me things like, what makes Patrick special? And I will say, well, he's got immense physical ability, but what separates him from other guys who have great physical ability, he's also got the knowledge of the game. He understands, you know, Andy Reid talks about the fact that he'll call a play and Patrick will say, well, what about doing it this way? Plus you add that to the fact that he's always trying to get better. You said early on, he was a sponge. He is a sponge like you were. And then you add that fact that he's never satisfied. And that's what makes him uh, who he is and, and from, from an outsider's perspective. The, and then the, to me, maybe the best thing about this is so many athletes are about me, me, me. And when we hear him interviewed or when we get to do the interviewing, it's about we, we, we. If, if it's something that's going well, it's we. If, uh, if it's something that didn't go well, it's me. He takes the blame when things go poorly, but shares the credit when things go well. What did you do to teach him those attributes when he was growing up?
0: Well, the thing that I did uh, most was once he got to junior high and he started playing games, you know, with the school teams, you know, junior high basketball, junior high uh, football, whatever. What I would do is after the game, I would make him come home and I drive him home. And I would tell him to go in there and take a shower, put a T-shirt on, uh, put some shorts on, and come out. And I would sit him in front of a desk, and I would ask him questions about the game like I was interviewing him. And he would give his answers and stuff, and then we would go over, you know, what he said. And I said, we can't do it this way. You know, we got to do it, you know, that way. And mm-hmm. and he just, he just learned it, and then it got to a point where he was – you know, better at it than I was, you know, as far as answering questions. So it's always going to be we, he's always going to take the blame. I mean, if one thing I did tell him, I said, if you're going to take all, if you're going to take the glory, then when you lose, you know, you need to take the blame. So that's something that has been instilled in him. and, And I think he does a pretty good job with it, you know, with his interviews and everything.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. And a lot of my media friends will talk about the thing they're most impressed with is his his calmness, his respect. I mean, I, I've never heard an interview where he's even slightly dissing a, a reporter for a dumb question. You know, he's always got he's always got the answers ready, and sometimes he uses coach speak, but his his answers are always well thought out, and he always delivers them in a respectful way, even if the guy on my side of the of the question it asks a dumb question. He, he, the comment I hear a lot is he was brought up, right? Uh, that he has respect for authority, respect for elders, uh, whatever the case may be.
0: Well, that's the way I was brought up. And, you know, and I try to, you know, do the same with him. Um, you know, I'll always be respectful of the elders I'll always, um, you know, sh- show respect. I mean, to the people, I mean, I mean, the reporters have a job to do just like you have a job to do out there on that football field. So mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a dumb question. I mean, uh, you answer every question. You answer the best of your knowledge. If, if, if you don't want to answer it, then, you know, you just, you know, give them a standard answer and, and you know, move <laughs> you. And,
1: and it's so much fun when he's when he's in his comfort zone, like with a lot of the reporters that cover the Chiefs on a daily basis. You know, he knows them. I can't remember, maybe it was at the Raiders and he got to the podium before Andy Reid did. And so he's up there and he starts quoting, he starts giving Andy Reid answers. And then Andy walks in and they've got such a great relationship that, that Andy says, yeah, I'll just let him do it or something to that effect. But, you know, it's very obvious he's comfortable in that situation. We've all seen athletes in various sports who it's like pulling teeth because they don't, they're they not comfortable in that. So it's obvious that, that he is comfortable in that, and you guys deserve a lot of the credit. I, I want to go back to something we said earlier. You, we talked about the fact that he wanted to be a football player. It, it intrigued him. He, that was his pursuit. As a lifelong Chiefs fan, I remember the Chiefs coming here in 1963, uh, and I've been a fan ever since. I'm glad he chose to play football. Uh, so thank you for that by the way. <laughs> um, now I don't want to give away any secrets to the opposition, but do you see things that Patrick can improve on and how open is he to you giving your input?
0: Well, I mean there's definitely stuff that you can improve on. I mean, if you're not trying to improve, then you, you're, you're standing in the same place. but uh, you know he you know it's footwork. you know he's working on when he's got when he's got salt and, and, and gentle feet he's way more effective, you know, um, he also learned this year, I think a lot of, you know, by taking the check down, taking what they're giving you, you know, he's always been a, the home run guy, you know, he yeah. wants to throw the ball deep, you know, he wants to throw the ball deep, but I think he reached defenses real well. And, uh, it's just a matter of him, you know, trying to, you know, saddle down that, that throwing it deep thing and, you know, taking the check downs, taking, the. Um, uh, you know, the little short routes and stuff like that. And that's something that I know he's actively working on and he works on it every day, but there's always things. I mean, sometimes the game can seem easy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you don't have to do a lot. You know, I can throw it here. I can throw it flat footed. I can do this. I can throw a side on I can do stuff like that. So there's all, there's always, you know, body discipline that he can work on and, 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 realizing, you know, who he's working with, what he's working with, and, you know, and and taking what the defense gives you.
1: You don't have to answer this next question if you don't want. I, I didn't send it to you ahead of time because I just thought of it, actually. But was he, was he trying too hard early this season, early in the 2021 season, when, you know, balls were going off receivers' hands? Was he trying too hard to make things happen, or did he just have to learn – to accept what the defense was get giving
0: him, I think it was a deal where he was uh, he was trying to make a play. We have a a Mahomes family uh, motto which I've been telling him since he was in sixth grade, and I text him before every game and I talk to him that. And this is back since sixth grade, basketball, football, baseball, whatever, and I tell him you know things like you know, go out and lead the guys, you know, make this game day, you know, go do your thing. But in the end, players make plays. Yeah. And that's that's our saying. That's our saying between men and him. players make plays. So, I think it was a situation where he was trying to make plays, and sometimes the plays weren't there. So, if you call that trying too hard, then maybe so. But I don't think it was trying too hard. I just think he was just trying to make a play. and. Yeah. Sometimes you know it turns it turns bad, but I, I feel like that he's adjusted and adapted and and made some uh, uh, made some uh, key you know I don't know what my word is. He made some key changes that yeah. uh, that um, he's doing a lot of the right things now. He's still going to make a play. He's still going to try to make a play. I mean, he's uh, losing really is an option for him. He's going to try to do whatever he can to win. Whether that means he throws three interceptions, he throw three interceptions because he's gonna try to do whatever he can to win that ball game. All
1: right, I want I want to switch gears. For but before I do though, um, I'm just absolutely thrilled. You know, I've been a Chiefs fan, as I said, for almost almost uh, 60 years now, uh, and, and I'm thrilled that he is not only part of the team now, but obviously he's bought into this community and he's part of the long term future of the of the of this city and of this franchise but I'm going to switch gears about as far as you can switch gears. Is there anything cooler than being a grandparent?
0: Oh, uh, no. I mean, it's my first time. I, you know, I have a, a couple of plus grandchildren with my new wife and everything. So I've, 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 I've gotten a little practice in, but, uh, you know, to be a grandparent, you know, especially, you know, with Patrick having his, his first child, Miss um, Sterling, I mean, she's, she's been amazing. And, uh, I just look forward to spending as much time as I can with her.
1: Yeah, I think I think this community has adopted Sterling uh as one of our
0: own. Do you have a favorite memory with her so far? Oh man, I just every time I'm with her, you know, she uh she lights up so that you know that's a good thing, you know. I've 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 been called a baby whisperer before, so you know. <laughs> Kind of like me, so you know. I guess maybe because I had so many of them, but uh, the baby's kind of like me, and uh, so every time I get to get with her and and see her, you know, throw stuff around and 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 crawl around, and I'm still waiting on her to start walking. But I imagine that'll be probably the proudest moment that I will have with her is once she starts taking those first few steps.
1: Well, I can tell you as a grandfather of three girls, uh, the oldest is six, and the middle one is almost four. Uh, The youngest one is four months. But when you can be having the worst day imaginable and when a little girl walks through your front door and says, Grandpa, I'm here, your day is perfect. And so I'm I'm just giving you the heads up as much fun as it is to have her right now. It's going to get even better uh, as she grows up and calls you by name, whatever name she comes up with. My kids both ask me, you know, what do you want the kids to call you? And And I said, as long as they call me, I don't care. As long as they come to me, I don't care. And that and that, I think that'll be the same case with you. All right. Just wrap things up a little bit. What are you doing these days uh to keep busy? I know you're doing some coaching.
0: Well, yeah, I have a organization down here in Texas. It's called BM Baseball. Uh me and my uh my uh buddy Willie Banks, who was my teammate with the twins, uh, we're coaching um 13 year olds and 14 year olds, and then we have the high school boys, you know, in the summertime. So um my passion is 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 to, uh, to give back to the kids like I did Patrick you know to um, try to you know development develop them and uh, take that raw tag off of them and let them know some of the things that they're going to go through if they want to play at the next level, whether that be college or or professionally but you know just to give back everything that I've learned so they won't be like the 17 year old kid from Lindale, Texas that went to, you know Elizabeth in Tennessee, and hadn't seen anything, and and had to learn it, you know, on his own. So I just tried to um, prepare them for the high school for, for when they get to high school, and then prepare them for when they try to go to the next level. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. Besides, you know, being a granddad and 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 being uh, Patrick's number one fan.
1: And and so what you're you're doing? It's more than just skills training.
0: You're you're giving them. Uh, life training as well with these kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, you always want to, uh, you know, it's it's select baseball. So, you know, you get to choose your players and everything. But, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, not only am I trying to teach them how to play uh, 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 baseball, I'm also trying to teach them how to be good young men and, and, you know, and stuff like that. So I do that, you know, with them. I also work with MLB, uh, Mm -hmm. MLB. Amps and stuff with them. And we're pretty much doing the same thing, just trying to, you know, develop these kids and and try to keep them, you know, on the right path. And so that's something that's a passion of mine. It's something that I would do for a long time.
1: And having having someone like your son, who obviously you had a huge influence on, being so successful probably gives you credibility with the 13 or 14-year-old who may not Know about you
0: as a player, but
1: knows who
0: your who your son is. That probably gives you a lot of credibility, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, they, uh, you know, of course, all of them know Patrick. You know, I'm not, I'm not Pat Mahomes senior. I'm not, you know, big Pat no more. I'm, I'm Patrick's dad. You know, so I mean, <laughs> that's something that I had to get used to being called. But I mean, yes, I mean, and unfortunately, you know, Patrick still loves the game, so. You know, whenever we're around and he's around or whatever, all season or, if, you know, I play a couple of tournaments up in Kansas City. You know, he normally comes over and speaks to the kids and, yeah. and, and all that good stuff. So that's always a plus.
1: It's interesting. As you said that, I would thinking back to an event. Uh, one time uh, the uh, the Royals radio announcer did a fictitious fight with Slugger, the Royals mascot was up on the jumbotron between, between innings, uh, Ryan was, was, uh, you know, obviously they showed him up there and it was obviously planned ahead of time. And, uh, slugger kept tapping him on the shoulder and Ryan was like brushing him off. And finally they started wrestling all on, that was the whole, uh, commercial break between innings. And so I went up into the, after that, I went up into the media room to get a drink and I ran into George Brett And, you know, we were talking a little bit and I've known George for a while. And and uh, this little girl, probably eight or nine years old, comes to the outside walkway entering the media dining room. And she looks at me and looks at George and she says she looks up. Her eyes get real big. And George is like, oh, this girl knows me. She goes, sir, is slugger okay? (laughs) (laughs) And George goes, yeah, he's fine. It was they were just having fun. And so she said, "Okay, good." She walks away, and I said, "Well, good to talk to you, sir." <laughs> George realized that even even being a Hall of Famer, eventually you you have a different identity. So I'm glad that it took you a little while, but I'm glad you're coming to grips with being Patrick's dad, uh, and and you know that being your identity these days. All right, last yeah, last question. I always I always wrap up with this with all the guests. I've done uh, more than 100 interviews for the podcast itself. My last question is always this. What's your
0: legacy? Uh, I hope, I hope my legacy is, is a guy that, uh, went out was great, uh, great teammate. Um, uh, very athletic guy that left it all out, out on the field. You know, that if, if I was going into battle with you, that I was going to be with you, that, um, I was going to see it through, through the end, never would give up, never would quit on you. And, um, uh, a guy that just genuinely, you know, loves everybody and and does whatever it, it takes uh, to be a team guy and a, and a teammate. And um, hopefully, um, you know, my son will, um, you know, embody some of the same same things. Uh, I think he's off to a good start. And uh, once again, I'm just happy to be Patrick's dad. All
1: right. Thanks very much for joining us. It's, it's good to catch up with you. And we'll have to connect next time
0: you come to Kansas City. Sounds great, Dave. Anytime, just uh, give me a call and I'm here. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmailbooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.